Yo, 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 good evening and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 91 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Another Tuesday, another football recap and takeaways episode, as I will do a recap of all the action in week seven in the NFL, along with my takeaways from week seven in the NFL. I'll also do a recap of week eight in college football, along with my takeaways from week eight in college football. And I will close with a brief analysis and prediction on who I believe will win the World Series between the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves. Coming up on the other side, stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get right into it. Well, you know I'm going to start my opening take, and of course that's in the NFL. I'm going to start off with the two statement games, ones that two that I predicted incorrectly. I'm going to start off with the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the most surprising thing was the score. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals destroyed the Ravens in their own backyard, 41-17. Joe Burrow, 416 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. Joe Mixon had 59 yards rushing and a touchdown. Sam J. P. Ryan had 52 yards and a touchdown. But it was Jamar Chase, the rookie, who torched the Ravens' secondary with 201 yards receiving and one touchdown. I mean, they basically had no answer for Jamar Chase. And this is what the impact of the loss of Marcus Peterson, their top um, cornerback, had on this game. As for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, he had 257 yards, one touchdown. He also had 88 yards rushing. But he got no help from his running game. I mean, no running back had over 15 yards rushing. That's a terrible sign. I mean, while Lamar Jackson's having a spectacular year running and throwing, this is not a sustainable model in the NFL. Hollywood Brown had 80 yards receiving in one touchdown. I mean, beautiful catch that he had. But didn't get much else afterwards from the other receivers. As for the Ravens, they need to do they need to get better on defense. Now, of course, if they don't make it this time in the playoffs, we all know Lamar Jackson's gonna get most of the flack. But the defense needs to get just as much flack. Because this defense, I mean, besides that one good game they had versus the um Chargers, I mean This defense gives up a lot of yards, especially in the air. So the fact that Joe Burrow had 416 yards, that's telling. So I believe they have a bye week this week. So they got got two weeks to clean up this defense. Because if not, if they get bounced in the playoffs, I don't want to hear everybody coming down on Lamar Jackson without holding the defense accountable. Now for the Bengals... They're now on top of the AFC North at this moment. And this could be a very scary team because guess what? This is not the Cincinnati Bengals of the past. Now let's move on to Kansas City versus the Tennessee Titans. Again, 
Another shocker was a score. Tennessee won this game 27-3. Now, who would ever imagine a Patrick Mahomes-led team being held to three points? Especially against a very terrible defense like the um, Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill had 270 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Derrick Henry, he had one touchdown pass in the game, but he he only had 86 yards rushing. But A.J. Brown exploded on this weak Kansas City secondary, well, weak defense in general. He had 133 yards and one touchdown. Patrick Mahomes had 206 yards and one interception, and he now leads the NFL with nine interceptions. He had 35 yards rushing and one lost fumble. But Patrick Mahomes got no help from the running game. I mean, no running back in this game for the Chiefs had over 20 yards rushing. Man, like as I, sta- as I sta- stated earlier with Lamar Jackson, this is not a sustainable model in the NFL. When your um, quarterback is leading and passing and rushing. I mean, as for the receiving core, I mean, Byron Pingle had 73 yards. Travis Kelsey only had 65 yards and only 49 yards for Tyreek Hill. So this def- this offense in general is struggling. As for the Titans, it looks like they're getting their footing back. I mean, of course you got the threat of Derrick Henry and Tannehill bounces out with a nice passing day. I mean, of course, they need to get Julio Jones going because if they can get Julio Jones back to the Julio Jones of a few years back before the injuries, him and A.J. Brown would be a force. I mean, I have to give them credit. Their defense played well. I mean, this is the best I've seen the Tennessee Titans defense in a very long time. But I need to see more of this before I can say this defense can be trusted. So we'll see what happens going forward. Now let's move on to the Bears versus Tampa Bay. This one was a joke. I mean, 38-3 for Tampa Bay. Tom Brady had 211 yards, four touchdowns, and he also became the all-time leader in touchdown passes with over 600 in this game he got his 600 in this game and he threw two more so now he's probably at 602 now Leonard Fournette had 81 yards rushing in a touchdown no Gronk no Anthony um, Antonio Brown I'm sorry no problem Chris Godwin picked up the slap 111 yards one touchdown Mike Evans had 76 yards and three of Brady's four touchdowns Another rough one for the rookie Justin Fields. He had 184 yards passing, three interceptions. I mean, the running game was okay. I mean, Khalil Herbert had 100 yards rushing. But he got no help, once again, from his offensive line. And got no help from his receiving core. I mean, the tight end, um, Kermit, had 43 yards receiving. Dornell Mur- um, Moody had 39 yards, and the guy who was supposed to be their best player at wide receiver, Allen Robinson, only had 16 yards. I mean, it's like 
what is Nagy doing here? I mean, it's like he has, he's giving Justin Fields no help. I mean, he's going to get the kid beat up before the season's over. And he's going to crush this kid's confidence. So, going forward, I I think um, management needs to look at this carefully. Because Nagy's not doing Justin Fields any favors. Now let's move on to another game that has got me still upset. And it's and it's Tuesday, and this happened Sunday. Now it's Indianapolis versus my 49ers. The Colts won this game 30 to 18 in a rainy, nasty um night in San Francisco. Carson Wentz had 150 yards, two touchdowns, passes, and he also had 23 yards rushing with one touchdown. Jonathan Taylor had 107 yards rushing and one touchdown and Michael Pittman had a big game 105 receiving yards and one touchdown but once again it was the Niners offense who got off to a, to a, to a good start at the beginning of the game it's almost like Kyle Shanahan had discovered how to um run an offense but that was just the first couple of drives Jimmy Garoppolo had 181 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions, and a lost fumble. The only bright spots in this game were basically Elijah Mitchell, 107 yards, and one touchdown. Debo Samuel had 100 yards and one touchdown. But basically, he didn't get no help from the other receivers. I mean, what is going on here? I mean... Brandon Ayuk only had one catch for six yards and one end around. Come on, man. This, What is going on, Coach Shanahan? I mean, this guy should be a star. This guy has nothing but potential. And you're not running plays for him. I mean, this, this, I mean we're down, now they've lost four in a row. And yes, you deserve to get blamed. But I'll talk more about that in my takeaway. But one of the biggest problems the Niners have is the secondary is, is, is costing us games. I mean, all teams are going to start doing now is just throwing it up there. Because Emmanuel Mosley and Josh Norman can't seem to cover receivers. I mean, it's like they're just getting beat. So all they're doing is taking pass interference calls and giving the, the opponents free arm yardage. I mean, the front seven had another wasted effort. As for the Colts, I mean, this was a big win for them because, I mean, they played their rivals, Tennessee, which they lost to early in the season. So they may have a chance to ride the ship, but they're going to need a victory next week versus the Tennessee Titans unless for them to have at least a chance to get back into the AFC South race. Now let's go on to last night's game between the Saints versus the Seahawks. Now the Saints won this game 13-10 in a low-scoring affair. Jameis had 222 yards, one touchdown. He also had 40 yards rushing. Yeah, he didn't do a lot of rushing in college, so this is this is a, a new thing for him. But it was Alvin Kamara, not rushing the ball, but catching the ball. He only had 40 yards rushing. 
but he had 128 yards receiving in one touchdown. I mean, it was almost like watching Marshall Falk, watching Roger Craig, Thurman Thomas all over again. I mean, he's become a great all-purpose back. Geno Smith, he only had 167 yards and one touchdown. I mean, a big one to DK Metcalf, who had 84 yards on that touchdown catch, but he did nothing after that. He was only held at two catches. Kudos to Marcus Lattimore for the defense. Uh, Alex um, Collins only had 35 yards rushing, so they didn't get much in the rushing game. The simple fact is, without Russell Wilson, this offense is stagnated. I mean, Geno Smith, I mean, his ceiling has already been reached. I mean, you can't do much more with, with Geno Smith at quarterback. That's why they should have go ahead and make that call and bring Cam Newton in. But now they're two and five. Now, Russell Wilson should be back before the after the bye week, as as it being reported. But will it be too late for the Seahawks by then? Because now they're last in the division. I mean, they're just behind my 49ers. So as for the Saints, if they keep winning like this, will they have a chance to challenge Tampa Bay for the AF for the NFC South division? Probably not likely, but the way the way they play defense, they may have a chance to give them a game. But I ain't, I'm not there with them just yet. I need to see how Jameis is gonna have when Michael Thomas returns back in the lineup. Whenever that's gonna be. That'll conclude all the action from week seven in the NFL. Now let me go to my takeaway from week seven in the NFL. First takeaway, I think a question needs to be asked. Has the NFL finally catch up to Patrick Mahomes? Yes, right, yeah, I'm asking it, if nobody else is. Because the question was asked to Lamar Jackson, asking him if the league has finally caught up to him. Of course, he said no. Now, if if Lamar Jackson was struggling the way Patrick Mahomes is struggling right now, this would be all over it's the sports media. I mean, there'd be nothing but stories out there saying Lamar Jackson has been figured out. Lamar Jackson can be stopped easily. But let's look at Lamar Jackson this year. He's leading the team in passing and rushing. Well, I don't think leading the team in rushing is a good thing, but you got to think, is producing excellent results thus far. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in interceptions with nine. He had six all of last year. The simple fact is all that backyard um, play that he's been getting away with the, the past three years has finally caught up to him. Because now these same plays that he used to make are now going in the opposite direction. They're now resulting in interceptions. So, I think we need to break the, the media and everybody else need to string that same smoke for Patrick Mahomes like they have been for Lamar Jackson 
and start asking the question as the league caught up to Patrick Mahomes. Because right now, they're at the bottom of their division. At least you can say for the Ravens, even though they got pounced Sunday, they're, they're in second place. And they still have a chance to win that division. They'll have to play the Cincinnati Bengals again and win the rest of their um, division games in order to possibly win that division. So, all I'm saying is, let's be fair and let's ask the same question we would ask of Lamar Jackson if he was struggling the way Patrick Mahomes was str- is struggling now. Second takeaway, we got two sleeper teams out there and they're in the AFC. It's the Bengals and the Raiders. The Cincinnati Bengals have been, have been terrible for so long that they finally may have put it together. I mean, Joe Burrow is having, a, is having a great season. But most importantly, they have a top 10 defense. I mean, it showed on Sunday. I mean, they held Baltimore to 17 points. So, who knows if they can, if they can, if they can stay the course and keep winning games like they've been winning. Who knows what they could do in the postseason. I mean, right now, Joe Burrow and Lamar Chase, I mean, probably next to Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, have got to be the most lethal quarterback to wide receiver combination in the NFL right now. And for the Raiders, now imagine this being what this would look like if the Raiders, you know, continue on this trajectory and make the playoffs and make some noise it's like they're basically showing everybody that they're not just John Gruden that they're a team it's not about the coach it's about the players now of course because remember the last couple of seasons the Raiders have started out good they've fallen apart and this is with John Gruden being the coach so who knows, maybe now that he's no longer there, let's see if they can keep this up. We'll be watching. And my third takeaway is Rookie of the Year. I have two guys who I believe are the top two rookies of the year. That's Jamar Chase of the Cincinnati Bengals and Trayvon Diggs of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Jamar Chase, and it's only weeks, we're coming up week eight. He's close to 1,000 yards in receiving. What? 754 yards receiving. And Trayvon Diggs has seven interceptions in six games. Now, of course, now if you had to pick offensive rookie, I mean, offensive and defensive rookie of the year, It'd be these two guys. But as far as rookie of the rookie of the year overall, you can make a case for both of these two, possibly even being co-rookie of the year, just like years ago when Peyton Manning and Steve McNair were co-MVP at quarterback. And for my fourth takeaway, it's gonna pain me to say this, but it's time. My Niners are in, 
are in free fall. They've lost four in a row. It's time for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to be held accountable. The biggest, the, the reason this is going on, because A, they decided they want to party like it's 2019. Because 2019 was their best season in five in five years. And they went to the Super Bowl. You know what? I missed that year too. But you know what? The NFL is a what have you done for me lately league. And lately, Coach Shanahan seems to have lost his coaching touch. I mean, the play calling hasn't been bad. But for some reason, the execution is not where it usually is for a Kyle Shanahan offense. The simple fact is they need to, they need to let 20 they needed to let 2019 go and embrace the future. I mean, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the Jimmy Garoppolo of 2019. I mean this 2021 version is, is is bad. I mean, the offense is stagnated. I mean, the Jimmy Grapple of 2019 had his offense running like a well-oiled machine. I mean, the running game was solid. I mean, he made some great plays. He won four games that year with his arm. But this year, he can't. He cannot sustain, and that's a big problem. I mean, and not only that, you know, he's he's missed one game with an injury. But who's to say he's going to last the rest of the season? That's why you traded up to get Trey Lance. And now, Kyle Shanahan during an interview basically said. You know, he doesn't want to just play Trey Lance just to get experience. Why not? I mean, we all know after the season over, you're going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. You might as well... I mean, what are you telling the locker room? Now, I get the lock... Jimmy has the locker room. But you, Coach Shanahan, need to go to the the locker room and say, Look, we're 2-4. and We have a chance to make the playoffs. But we got to make changes and make them now. Now, I will say, if Trey Lance is not healthy, then don't put him out there. But if he is healthy and can practice this week, you need to make sure you have the game plan for him. He needs to get reps with the ones in practice. Because let's just say against the Bears this Sunday, the offense is stagnated. You need a spark. And Trey Lance may be able to give you that spark if you if if you if you if you do right by him. And what that means is have more practice time with him, have him prepared with the game plan, especially in the event that Jimmy struggles on Sunday. So, Coach Shanahan, I'm just gonna say this again: start Trey Lance, embrace the future. This is not your daddy's NFL anymore all this sitting and waiting a year 
Look, that time is over. I mean, Joe Staley even said it best. Jimmy's not getting the job done. So he's going to sit there and waste a, a, a Super Bowl window? I mean, look, it's going to be hard. He's going to go through his lumps and bumps like all the rookie quarterbacks are doing. So let him run your offense. He may be able to expand your offense and make it better. I mean, if you want to be, if you want to stay in this job and you want to be like the like the, the late, great Bill Walsh, you got to embrace change. I mean, he did it with Montana and he did it with Steve Young. This is your chance, Coach Shanahan, to prove that you are the offensive guru everybody says you are. And being an off- offensive guru means developing a, quarter, a quarterback. Bill Walsh developed two. This is your chance to develop one right here, right now. Because, and I hate to say this because I used to be a Jimmy supporter. His ceiling has been hit. There's no more that can be done now. It's time to just embrace the future. Start Trey Lance. If he's healthy. Now I'm going to wrap up this takeaway segment with a, 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 a huge matchup on Thursday since I won't be with you until Friday I'm just going to go ahead and get out of the way it's the Packers versus the Arizona Cardinals these are the two best teams in the NFC and arguably in the NFL I mean we could be we could be in for a lot of points I mean both these teams have the offensive weapons needed even though for the Packers they may or may not have their best weapon, Devontae Adams, because he's in um, on the COVID-19 list. But if he has two negative tests, because he is vaccinated, before the game, he'll be able to play. And because Aaron Rodgers is going to need him. They could also need Aaron Jones to be efficient in the run game as well. But this game is going to come down to whether the Packers' defense can slow down all those weapons of the Cardinals. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, you know, Christian Kirk, and now Zach Ertz, who they acquired from the Philadelphia Eagles. And will they be able to get to Kyler Murray? So it's going to be down to the defenses. Now Chandler Jones is supposed to come back from off the COVID list, so he'll be playing this Thursday. So him and J.J. Watt, it's going to be interesting to see if any of them can get to Aaron Rodgers. I think this game is going to come down to who has the ball last. And right now, I think I trust the Cardinals' defense maybe a little bit better than I trust the Packers. So, I believe the Arizona Cardinals are going to win this game at the end on a field goal. 34 to 31. That's it for the NFL segment. Now let's move on to college, college football. Now there wasn't a lot of standout games, but so I went with the only three, um, two of them that actually turned out to be interesting games. I'll start with Oklahoma State versus Iowa. Iowa 
beat Oklahoma State 24-21. Now, of course, it's typical of Oklahoma State. They start off good, and then all of a sudden, they run into a team, and then they get dropped. I mean, Brock Rudy had 307 yards for Iowa State and two touchdowns. They didn't get a lot from their running game, but they did get something from their best receiver, Xavier Hutchinson. He had 125 yards and two touchdowns. They had no answer for him. And for Oklahoma State, I mean, Spencer Sanders, I mean, he had 225 yards and three touchdowns and no pick. Um, Jalen Warren only had 76 yards rushing. Zaxby's bonus wings bill couldn't possibly and, get any better. And um, Presley uh, had 84 yards receiving and T. Martin had 80 yards receiving. But Oklahoma State just couldn't put enough points on the board to beat Iowa State. So now Iowa State has a chance to possibly be in contention for the Big Ten title. Big Big 12 title, I'm sorry. But they're going to they're going to need Oklahoma State to lose some more games and they have to beat Oklahoma if they if they do play them. They may, may not play them until the the Big 12 championship, but Iowa State shows they can comp- they can hang. Now let's move on to Oregon versus versus um, UCLA. Now, Oregon, they usually lose games like this. I mean, you know, they they, 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 they win some games and they look good and then all of a sudden they run into an oppo- a, a good opponent and then they get dropped. Not this time. Oregon won this game 34-31. I don't know if I even predicted that score or something close to it. Well, either way. Anthony Brown, I mean, he had 296 yards. He had two interceptions. But he also had 85 yards rushing and a touchdown. So. And as for Dorian Thompson-Robinson, their um, UCLA's um, quarterback, he had 220 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Of course, he got hurt late in the game. So his backup, Ethan um, Garbers, came in and... He threw one good pass, and then he threw an interception that sealed the deal for UCLA. So, Oregon is now back at number 10. Now, will they have a chance to make the college football playoff? Mm, I don't know. We'll talk more about that one in my takeaways. And now to Clemson. Now, Pitt, I predicted Pitt would win this game. I mean, they beat Clemson, and they did win this game. They beat Clemson 27-17. to I mean, Kenny Pickett had 302 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, Jordan Addison, his best receiver, had 84 yards receiving and one touchdown before he left the game. And Taysor Mack had 59 yards and a touchdown. And another rough one for DJ Agalugri. He had 128 yards and two interceptions. Even one interception was a shovel pass, which I don't think I've ever seen that before. Of course, he was benched for their second string quarterback before he got brought back in. Now, as for Pitt, it looks like it's going to be Pitt and Wake Forest to see who's going to be who's going to win the ACC title. Now, of course. None of these teams are probably guaranteed a bowl. I mean, 
a spot in the college football playoff, but we'll see. As for Clemson, is it time for Dabble Sweeney to beat the bench? The bench, um, DJ Agaluri. Well, I mean, they're not going anywhere at this point, so I don't think they need to bother. I think you need to go ahead and just let this year be a, a year of growing pains for DJ. Because he's got the potential to be really good. He just, right now, he just has a hard time reading defenses. I mean, he's just throwing bad interceptions. So, I think there's a year, just go ahead and let him play. Now, if Dabble wanted to bring in the other quarterback, he could do so. And if he starts playing good, then you have a quarterback controversy in 2022. I don't think Dabble wants that. So, I just say, go ahead and play the kid. Let him go through his growing pains. Because I think next year, he has the potential to be a better quarterback. Now, let's go on to my takeaways from college football. First takeaway, don't look now. But it looks like Alabama is squeaking their way back into the college football playoff. I mean, let's think. They have now number three behind Georgia and Cincinnati and Oklahoma was dropped to number four because they're because they barely won last week so we all know it looks like it's gonna be Alabama and Georgia for the SEC but who's to say that even if Alabama doesn't win that they that they will not be in the college football playoff I mean they did it a couple of years ago, so it's not out the out of the realm of possibility. So now, of course, if Alabama wins the SEC championship, who's to say they're not going to keep they're not going to keep Georgia in a college football playoff? Well, of course, that brings me to my second takeaway: Will Cinderella Cincinnati be cut out of the college football playoff? I think it's a strong possibility they could. I mean, they're in the the American Atlantic Conference, which nobody outside of that that conference knows much anything about or pays much attention to. But yet, they could run the course and still be cut out. Why? Because you still got behind them Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Michigan State. Now look, we all know that let's just say Alabama loses to Georgia. They have two losses. Let's just say Oklahoma wins out. And let's just say, I don't know, either Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State win the um, big 12-10 championship. I mean, one of those two teams are going to get in. Let's just say Oregon wins the um, Pac-12. You, you, we all know they're going to get in. So, and then where does that leave Cincinnati? I mean, are they going to cut them out because they're just they're, they're, they're a team nobody knows? And, they, and the committee might say, well... Putting them in there, A, they're going to get blown out by one of these um, big-name schools. Or B, they're not, they're, 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 you have to think, 
They also think about ratings as well. I mean, the rating, the ratings might be low because this is a team nobody knows about because everybody thinks they're going to get killed. I think the fair thing to do is they've been num- if they if they stay, stay number two, they should at least have a chance to play for the college football playoff. I think anything less than that would be unfair. So those will be my few takeaways from college football, which I look forward to this weekend, which will have better college football games. But now let's close with a brief analysis on the World Series. Now the stage is set. The Houston Astros versus the Atlanta Braves. The Houston Astros, surprisingly, beat the um, Red Sox in six games. And surprisingly, the Atlanta Braves beat the Dodgers in six games. Now, I know a lot. some people are probably voting, rooting for the Braves, not because they think they're the better team, because they hate the Astros. After a couple of years ago, they won the World Series, but they were caught cheating. But... And the only reason I would even root for the Astros in this case, because of Dusty Baker, the manager. Now, Dusty Baker had nothing to do with the scandal. Matter of fact, the Astros have been a model um, team since he's been the um, general manager. And he's been a good manager throughout his career. But will he be kept out of the Hall of Fame if he doesn't win a World Series? Because we all know if he does... He should get more consideration. I mean, they're pitching, even though it came through for them. That's been all that spectacular. I mean, they got some good hitters. I mean, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Jose um, Aldave. I mean, they got some, some good hitters. But I think the Atlanta Falcons pitching is probably more superior. I mean, Max Fried, Charlie Morton. Tyler um, Metzik. I mean, this isn't. I mean, they were able to keep the Dodgers in check. So I believe they'll, they'll be able to keep the Astros in check. And they got some good hitters too. I mean, Eddie Rosario, Austin um, Raleigh, Freddie Freeman. I mean, this will be the first World, World Series win if the Braves win it since 1995. Now, they should have had more in the 90s I mean they had some of the best pitching in baseball but that pitching always choked in the playoffs and of course this is their first World Series since 1999 when they played the Yankees and were swept so I'm just going to say I'm going to go with the Braves because I think the Braves have the better all around team now I like Dusty Baker and everything I mean, I won't be I won't be mad if I'm wrong about this and he and they and they win because I'm gonna be on this podcast advocating for him to be in the Hall of Fame if they pull it out. But I don't think they're gonna pull it out. I'm gonna go with the Braves in six games. So Atlanta Braves, I predict, will be your world champions of Major League Baseball four games to two. Now that will conclude episode 91 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. 
You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13, and you can follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes Killer with Gabe. I'd like to thank you again for listening. Thank you for downloading. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.